Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Iglap. Of course, it's me, your host, Paolo. And today's episode is going to be really awesome just because our guest today, this is her first time to be here on Iglap. And it's always fun to have people who haven't been here before, uh, you know, be a guest because I guess they don't really know what to expect. And of course, we don't really know what to expect from them because each person has their own, sorry, excuse me, has their own, you know, um, personality and all of these things. And uh, with that being said, I would like to introduce our guest for today. So she's a spokesperson for Shawushka, I hope I got that right, of Philippine Sex Worker Collective, um, Executive Director for Cebu United Rainbow LGBT Sector, or CURLS, a human rights defender and a transgender rights activist. So welcome to IGLAF for the very first time, Eda. So hi, Eda. Hello, good evening sa lahat. Great. So Eda, I, I appreciate your your intro. That was very short and sweet. But why don't you tell us a bit more about yourself, like the fun side of Eda? Thank you, Paolo. At the fun side of me, um, I'm a fan of music, so I sing a lot. Um, maybe also I have a good sense of humor, according to my um, loved ones, like family and friends. So I always want to make um, them laugh um, because I, I also want them to be like um, jokers to me. So um, I do that in return. What else? Um, other than that, I think there's nothing like fun. <laughs> okay. So you mentioned that you're a singer, right? Uh, so like what kind of music do you like singing? Or like, if there's, do you have like a favorite um, singer by any chance? Yes, I do. Actually, I'm a, I'm a diehard fan of Mariah Carey. So. Oh, okay. Mariah Carey-ish songs, diva songs, um, anything of that sort. I like R and B too, and soul, and of course pop music. So, yes, that's the kind of music that I listen. Okay. Well, I like how, you know, when I ask you for fun things, it kind of sounds like a dating app thing. What, what you would put like, what are your hobbies? Singing, uh, telling jokes. Uh, okay. All right. So I wanted to ask, you know, Ada. Uh, so you mentioned in your intro that um, you're a show. So showushka. Sorry, I have no idea if I'm pronouncing it. But why don't you tell us a bit more. Yeah. What is a showushka? Shawushka actually is like uh it's like a transgender woman sex workers team under Philippine Sex Workers Collective. So I was appointed by the collective as the spokesperson last year around June, June 2021. So um by by the sound of the name of the organization, Philippine Sex Workers Collective. So it's actually a support group for Filipino sex workers. And I am I am in Shawushka because I'm a transgender woman identifying myself um, as well as I had a experience with sex work in the Philippines. So um, when they asked, uh, when, when I wanted to become a member of the collective and then I had a, I had a conversation with one of their, with their heads, um, they asked me to, to be the spokesperson of Shemushka and I said yes. So I know you did it in the past, right? Uh... So, you know, you're no longer doing it and such. But I'm just wondering, though, because unfortunately in the Philippines, sex work is criminalized, right? And um, in my opinion, it shouldn't be. 
for as long as again you know you're of age you have consent you're not being threatened to do it i mean all those things right like for as long as like a normal job we're in you're doing it because you want to because that's the kind of job you want then go for it right but you know you you have that organization for something that's criminalized so i'm just wondering how does that work exactly well the organization itself i would say is not really that empowered because of um, the legislations we have in the philippines towards sex workers it isn't that conducive uh friendly or supportive to you know the nature of the work um so in effect many trends uh, not just trans but many sex workers in the philippines aren't um, comfortable of of um outing themselves as uh, as um as sex workers so they try to do it as discreet as possible because you know apart from um the not so friendly legislations we have here in the philippines um you know we all know that that kind of work has a lot of attached stigma and discrimination to it so um many people coming from the sex work community are socially oppressed being oppressed uh, with so many um, aspects and with that being said it is challenging because they are not even though there are members in, in the organization not all of them are very vocal um not all of them are you, you know there's a hinder for us to become really passionate in pushing for for example um sex work is work movement in the philippines or um any any initiatives related to decriminalizing sex work in the philippines so because of the because of that because of the policies that we have you know um hindi sure if if um the human rights of the sex workers in the uh, philippines are prioritized and protected okay so before we continue uh, i just have to say a few things so um, to all our followers right now watching on Facebook, if you have any questions for Edda, just comment them down below and we'll try to get to them, uh, you know, as much as possible. And I'd also like to thank our sponsors for this episode. So Swagat Indian Cuisine, uh, Derm Nature, and uh, Maskin More Manila. So going back to you, Edda, so it is difficult to be a part of a, somewhat of, well, you're kind of part of two communities, right? I mean... One, you're part of the LGBT community, which is kind of getting empowered, but still not enough. But at least it's kind of getting there, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, again, not enough, but getting there. And you're also, even if you're a former, you're also part of the sex worker community, even if you're a former one. So I guess top of mind is, uh, and this may sound like a very silly question, but how difficult is it to be a part of two communities that aren't very empowered? Um, I think it's the reason why I became a human rights defender or a transgender rights activist because I've experienced um, discrimination, um, abuse, even violence and oppression first-handedly. So I became a victim myself with all of these. And so I decided, you know, if not me, then who? If not now, then when? So it's really so important that we we create noise you know with a purpose of course that's not just noise that's nonsense or useless but you know we want our voices to be heard and that you know if just me being part of the transgender community 
already have experienced so much discrimination like in any in many kinds many forms and um you know you can relate to sex workers if you are coming from a community that is um you know vulnerable to discrimination and oppression you can actually relate to the situation of sex workers not just sex workers but to other marginalized sectors or communities um that are also vulnerable to discrimination and oppression so it's it's it makes me it's difficult to be in, in this kind of situation but you know it's also um making you passionate because i always believe that it's when good people do nothing the bad guys win yeah so i'm just wondering right now no so you know and by the way that, that's really an awesome answer you know, I, I like how you kind of had like a full circle where you know you're oppressed and now you're fighting for those who are being oppressed and all of these things uh so i guess the first thing i want to know is like because you know how so many people they have this stigma towards sex workers in the sense that for them it's more about they had nothing else in life to do or things like that they had no choice or whatever and i guess there are times wherein um there are sex workers who do have no choice in that sense and it's very unfortunate but for you though and I don't know if it's too personal to ask, but did you have a choice whether or not to be a sex worker? Like you could have maybe been a different, uh, I mean, you know, in the past, right? Uh, did you have a choice or were you put in a position wherein you had no choice in the past? That's a very good question. Um, I think it started with me having less opportunities when it comes to income generation or work. Um, it's, it's nice or it's good for us to talk about now that um transgender persons when they're still student but they're actually having difficult times as well as students because um, it is common in the philippines that many schools are enforcing non-transgender friendly policies such as many schools are forcing transgender women to wear masculine uniform or they are forced to um to cut their hair short for it to look short and masculine and that is actually against how many transgender women live um, our life, our reality. And so in effect, um, many transgender women are dropouts from school. And you know, here in the Philippines, it's actually not, you know, it, it, it's a country that when it comes to employment, there are not so many opportunities, especially if you if you are undergraduate, you know. So, so many transgender women actually resort to sex work because of that. Um, maybe in my case, it was like that too at first. Um, and then when I tried to apply work before, I also experienced, you know, discrimination. So, you know, these are actually basic human rights of Filipinos. Um, right to education, right to employment, but uh, many transgender women aren't uh, really enjoying or, you know, are able to fully exercise these basic rights because of discrimination and there's ignorance no not many schools and employers are aware that they're already violating basic human rights of filipinos but um yeah going back to the question maybe it is like that for me and for other um for other um, sex workers where um they don't have much options in life they don't have choice 
but it is also important to to emphasize that there are sex workers that are just passionate with what they are doing especially those people who think that there is nothing wrong with this work you know it's just like being so sexually active but you know the difference there is just you are just having money there's um what we call transactional sex so yeah i think it's important for us and that's a very good question thank you Paula. it's important that we also talk about you know the diversity within sex work community because even in our very own community the sex work community you know sex workers can have so many differences from each other some are just forced to do it some didn't have much options in life some are passionate of doing it so you know i cannot really represent the whole sex workers community in the philippines yeah. um there are just so many and i and i even think that you know for those we call like street workers i think that they are um most uh, vulnerable when it comes to discrimination violence compared to how i was doing it because mine was 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 more on um online i, I did use online platform to find clients oh, wow. Yeah, so it was like that. There, there are you know sites you can use to advertise yourself as a sex worker, and I utilized that platform. Um, but again, um, it can be very different. Our community can be diverse also. So, but 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 yes, it's important that we talk about the differences among um, sex workers. Yeah, sorry. So we have a question from Rojet. Um, so he says, um, sorry, one second. There you go. It came out. So I just wanted your thoughts on this matter. So LGBT are appreciated and accepted, but some go beyond or expect more, meaning overacting already. So like at work, um, name and outlook is Maria, but get offended when called Maria, but prefers to be called Mark. So I assume this is more for like a transgender man, right? Um, and tell us that we are supposed to check with them how to address them before calling names. So I guess the question is, let's say, um, because, you know, let's say, for example, if you work in a BPO or if you work in a international company, right, usually um, the HR, the IT, when they make your emails and all these things, they just follow what's on the birth certificate, right? Uh, right. Because unlike abroad, right, you know, abroad, wherein you could just change your name and your gender, no problem, right? Here, we don't really have that. So I guess um, his question's more on... Or not really a question, but his, he's asking us about our thoughts about that. Where, let's say, there's a transgender man who's an office mate, you know, unfortunately, was born in the wrong body, um, you know, has body dysphoria, all of these things. And, you know, unfortunately, in the birth certificate, it says uh, Maria, for example. and But then the person actually wants to be called Mark, and the person gets upset when, you know, he is called Maria because for him, I should be called Mark. and says that um, the office mate should... Uh, message him saying hey how should we call you right so what are your thoughts on that one Edda, before I, I give my thoughts sure i think that our legislations again here in the philippines is not conducive and supportive to how many trans folks live our lives we don't have gender recognition law and you talked about it earlier where um, in developed countries and progressive nations um, they have the option to actually you know, um, change the gender markers in their legal or important documents or papers to to what what their preferred ones are. So we don't have that kind of um, 
of law legislation in the Philippines, and that's making it so difficult for transgender uh, folks to live their lives. Uh, it is also important that you know when we were given that name, we were given that name. Um, we were not consulted really. Our, our parents just, you know, just just it, it's. I see it more of like they imposed it to you that this is your name and this is how people should call you. When in fact, you know, when you grow up, when you start to have conscious mind, it's really you who knows yourself more than anyone else. Um, and it's very common even in, 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 for example, in the showbiz industry, many, many celebrities are using screen names or names yeah. that they want to be called um, when they, uh, because that's, that's um, their preferred names. You know, and I even know this is not an exclusive issue for trans. I know cisgender men and women um, who prefer to be called with names that are so much different with their names assigned at birth. So, yeah. for example, um, you know, maybe Michelangelo, but the person would like to be called Van, which is so, so, so much. Yeah, different. that's pretty far. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty far, but that's happening. That's happening even amongst the um, cisgender men and cisgender women community, not just the trans folks. Yeah, well, for me, uh, Rojet, no. So, I mean, I'm not part of the LGBT community. I'm not transgender. So, of course, I don't really have the experience or know the experience that they're going through. But based from, you know, the transgender people I've met, uh, they don't easily get offended unless if you're out there to offend. Yeah, you know I mean, like for example, let's say, um, for example, me. Let's say I was born a woman, for example. So I'm actually a transgender. Man. Let's say I am, right? But my birth name is Paula, for example. But I prefer to be called Paula, right? Uh, of course, it worked again because of the Philippine legislator. In my birth certificate, it says Paula. But of course, in my email, it says Paula and all these things. So I, I personally wouldn't get upset immediately. It would be more like, hey, Phil, for example, hey, Ed, I prefer to be actually called Paula or just Pau if you want. Right. Uh, yes. But then I wouldn't get upset easy. Like, for example, Edda calls me Paula. Like, oh my God, Edda, like, what are you doing, woman? Like, yeah, you know I, mean? I wouldn't be like that. I would kind of be patient, say, hey, no, I prefer this. But if the person's kind of doing it intentionally to offend me, then that's a whole different story. But if a person makes a mistake, we all make mistakes. Right. Yes. So, this right? actually reminds me of transgender women, you know, being labeled accidentally as sir or mister. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I know there are some who gets offended easily, but there are also some who would use and take the time, uh, the opportunity to educate people. So you know, it, it's not how, it's not how you, uh, it's not the word really. It's how you say the word. Yeah, I would say. And um, yeah, going back to the the, the question, um, it's actually very important to always ask. You know people what their preferred names pronouns are because um in the case in the reality of transgender women um this is a little bit far but i would like to um also include this in in this you know specific um in, in discussion because i think this is very important um many transgender people actually just don't go to um, service providers offering healthcare services anymore when in fact it is very important to practice um, healthy seeking behavior uh, good healthy uh, seeking behavior when it comes to your health um, because of ignorance many people in uh, healthcare service providers aren't um, you know trans friendly enough so people 
uh, from our community just prefer to do self-medication, you know, even if they're already experiencing um, discomfort from from self-medication, maybe, um, they would just, you know, they will just prefer to self-medicate again um, instead of going to seek for advice from experts, like medical experts. So it's, again, another another hindrance that you did put there for us to not fully enjoy or exercise our basic human right, which is right to healthcare, to access quality healthcare services. Well, there you go, Roja. Thank you for the question. That was a really great question. Yeah, so going back to what you're saying about some transgender people doing self-medication, there's usually supposed to visit an endocrinologist, right? Like once every few months. Uh, and actually, I think the problem also is uh, in terms of even if, let's say, for example, they do find work, you know, in a corporate setting and such, there are times that uh, the HMO of the company doesn't really cover the endocrinologist in terms of like that unless if it's like a disease right you know what i mean so yes. but I, but then there are organizations right like love yourself for and you can go there for free and and see doctors there right sorry are you familiar with love yourself yes i'm familiar um yeah yeah go ahead yeah yes um that's that's true uh because there is no um like clinical guidelines for clinicians and practitioners um, in the Philippines to better, you know, their services or how they handle trans patients. Um, it's, it's, I think it's safe for me to say that it, our, our health or transgender health in general is being neglected. It is not being prioritized by the government because Department of Health, for example, uh, they do not have trans-specific interventions or initiatives to address special issues or unique issues being experienced by trans. Um, and if we talk about health of trans, it is actually not so good as well. Transgender women actually are among the key populations when we talk about HIV and AIDS. Um, and then there's this self-medication, which is also common for transgender people um, in terms of their experiences in gender-affirming hormone treatment. So th that's... That's that's already I would say uh uh what do you call this like a, a red it, it it's a red flag already that oh you know as as you know if, if you are from a government agency like DOH for example we need to do something now because our citizens or our people are are you know close to dying or are becoming unhealthy because of of, of negligence or no specific interventions to address their specific needs so yeah it's very important and it's becoming progressive as well um, there are also um, as what you have said organizations community-based organizations or NGOs that are trying also their best to help their uh, their trans siblings um, with their unique problems because they are the informed ones and I know that there are also initiatives that are going on right now that, you know, there are transgender health rights advocates or trans health advocates that are lobbying this to be included um, or to be at least, you know, to be uh, incorporated in existing um, services in the Philippines related to healthcare. Yeah, so I'm just, sorry, I want to go back 
too because I know you know because you are a former sex worker, and I wanted to ask: uh, Have you seen this film called Mamu and the Mother too? Yes. Okay, so I just wanted to ask you. Um, so of course you minus the whole mother part and whatever, right? Let's just talk about like Mamu as a sex worker. Is it really that? Um, sorry, wild is the wrong term to use it, but is it that wild in terms of what certain people want from a sex worker? Like, I mean, in terms of clients, like, could it be that, um, how about we use the word strange? Could it be that strange in terms of what they want? Sure. Um, yeah, it, it is actually realistic. The film is actually realistic to the experiences of many transgender women sex workers. You know, um, it's it's not so, I would say, Filipinos are not so familiar with the fetishes of people coming from the Western part of the world. But, you know, once it's introduced here to sex workers, um, we will just do it. We will just do it thinking that we're going to earn. You know, it's more of a like, you are forced to be open-minded and entertain different kinds of fetishes um you know it can be pleasurable to you or it cannot it, it can't but but you know the, the the point there is it's already an opportunity for you to earn so many many sex workers sex workers will just go for it so i wanted to ask and if it's too you know personal to ask this you don't have to answer it but what was the wildest uh fetish that a former customer of yours asked from you when you used to be a sex worker? Uh, the wild ones are the outdoor sex fetish, I would say. Like, um, you are in an open space and vulnerable to be seen by people or to the public. But of course, it was um, made at night. But yeah, that one, you always have that feeling of, you know, you're nervous, maybe someone will will uh got you see yeah, yeah. Um, and also i would say i've tried like golden showers and stuff like that so that's also very common in the um in the sex work industry so i also wanted to ask you because um you mentioned that uh you know there are a lot of um foreign men who you know get sex workers in the philippines right yes uh but would you also say that there are also local men who get transgender sex workers also? Yes, there are. And even their fetishes are becoming close to the Western, so the Westerners. So um I, I think that we have that here in the Philippines. It's not it's just that we have a society and a country where many people are claiming that they are conservative and religious, and maybe that's a big, you know, uh big factor for them. To not come out as you know someone who likes transgender women for sex or relationship or whatnot but um there are there are you know you will from time to time get clients that are um, filipinos yeah so with that no i i wanted to ask you like between a foreign client and a local client like what are the biggest differences hmm the rate <laughs> no of, of course of course yeah but you know minus, i'm talking about like physical mental you know stuff like that not really like the money part or anything 
I think that the the, the foreigners are much more um, wilder compared to the 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 needs of your local clients. I would say the the the, the Filipinos are, although they are. From time to time, you will be surprised that oh, it, it it it's like you know close or similar to the fetishes of the foreigners. But you know, most of the time, it's just the the traditional or the the common one where the transgender women sex worker is the 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 lady in bed, if I may uh, say that, and they act as the men in bed. So it's like that. So. Are you still based in Cebu or are you in Metro Manila? Um, I'm based in Cebu now. I got back okay. here last year. Okay, so when you used to sex work before, were you doing it in Cebu or in Metro Manila? Both. Oh, both. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right, Jet Setter. All right, so would you say that there are... Yeah, I'm just so curious. So you mentioned that you used to do, you used to use some um, online websites and all of these things. Uh, but were there times wherein uh, you felt that it was sketchy or things like that? Like when a person texts you, hey, Edda, uh, you know, I'm staying here in this hotel. Here's my room number. Go meet me here. You know, stuff like that. Like, did you ever feel that, you know, were you afraid? Were you ever nervous? Yes, many times, actually. Um, and I also experienced... Uh, well, when you said jet setter, um, I also experienced where my client had to book me outside the country, so we went to um, some other countries for that. Uh, and it's always always scary. I mean, you're sleeping with a strange, almost a stranger, like you know nothing at all, and then you know you are just being booked there to sleep with that person. So you will always feel nervous. You you always feel you know. That you're not secured or you know you're also very concerned of your security of your safety um maybe you're sleeping with a psychopath now you don't really know because that's that person is a stranger that's why i really have um make courage uh the courage itself is really commendable among sex workers but you know this is this experience is not exclusive to sex workers even though if you're just you know a single person trying to hook up with someone on tinder you know that can also happen to you but you know because of the nature of the work it is most most likely you will be asked to go to their hotel rooms at night like super late at night sometimes at 12 1 a.m 2 a.m you know and uh, sometimes you will be asked to sleep there sometimes you will be booked um for a day or two you know the whole, whole one day or whole two days so it's always like that and 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 when you don't know the the person at all you know you use it's very common that um uh, get scared so do you ever have like your own um you know internal rules so i did speak with another uh sex worker in the past and she told me that she had her own rules like usually she would rather do it in her place and all these things but if that wasn't possible what she would do is she'd always bring like some sort of weapon in her bag or something like that uh she'd also always know where the exit is you know things like that so i'm wondering did you also have your own internal rules for when you did this no, not actually. I mean, 
maybe I did, but it's not consistent. Sometimes I can do it in my place if it's allowing me to do it. But most of the time, it's the place of the client. And yeah, it can be sad sometimes because there are in the in the sex work um, world, there's what we call playtime where you will you will meet this guy online and then you will start talking, negotiating with the rates, and then we'll start discussing some details of how the sex is gonna happen. But once you go there to the hotel, you know, the the person will just block you and you're like, Oh fuck, you 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 prepared for it, you did apply some makeup, you dressed up for it, you know, you you you, you showered already and and you traveled, you know. Um, sometimes it's a little bit far, but once you're there, you're um you experience that. But you know, we learn as we go along. So in my case, I, I try to get the the WhatsApp or Viber number of the client and then I try to video call first so I can really see that I'm talking to uh, a real person, a real client. So like with, um, because, you know, with sex work, of course, in the past, it was usually physical, right? That's like 95% of it. And, you know, um, videos got there, but it wasn't that much. But I think nowadays, because of the pandemic and all those things, you know, there's a rise of websites such as OnlyFans, Alua. I mean, you name it, there are so many different kinds, but it's all the same thing we're in. It's basically online sex work, right? Um, so someone who used to do it uh, before, who used to be a sex worker, um, when you see all of these things, do you wonder that, do you think that sex work will no longer be physical and that could just be all digital? It could all be just video, um, audio, I mean, all of those things. Or do you think there will still be a place for, you know, physical sex work? Um, that's a good question. I actually started with cyber sex um, work before I decided to, you know, um, the in-person one. Um, so it started with online shows, um, and you know, from time to time, it's nice to do it because it's safer than meeting someone in real, um, and you get money. Um, but you know, we, we we never had a clear definition of what really sex work here in the Philippines. So we should also consider that as sex work because you know you earn from. From, from doing online sex. So that's also a sex work. Um, yes, I know many people are doing it, especially during the pandemic. I know sex workers who had to adjust and you you know from, from in-person sex worker they became online sex worker because that's the only thing that's available during the pandemic for them. So they you know they, they explored what, what were the platforms that could be used to be sex workers there yeah actually i agree with you i think i only start i mean i think only fans just you know it opened back in the day but only during yeah 2020 i think that's the time that everyone started hearing about it yeah and all of these things it's, it's pretty crazy and to think of it i mean with that happening i don't know what the future holds in terms of that right uh, will we have like erotic NFTs or whatever? I have I have zero clue 
So can I ask next? So, you know, that's how you started out in all of these things. So what do you do now? What's a normal day for Edda nowadays? The retired Well, um, I am actually a community development worker now. I'm currently in a project. Um, I'm currently working on a project where I would like, um, we are hoping that we could form like a, a working group here in the Philippines that can ensure that the human rights of the sex workers are protected. I'm also wanting to meet, you know, lawyers or legal experts where I can consult them on what are the step-by-step ways on how we could, you know, try to decriminalize sex work in the Philippines. So I'm a community development worker and my current project as of the moment has something to do with sex work as well. So with that, like, okay, so I'm glad that, you know, you have a different um i mean for me you know you're tired and now you're doing something different something to help the community right so now i want to get so i want to talk again about legislator or legislation i wanted to ask are there any politicians right now running whether it's president senator vp whatever um who supports the legalization of sex work do you know anyone not that i'm aware of but i haven't heard you know, uh, politicians or public servants saying that they want sex work to be decriminalized in the Philippines. So you've you've heard of some politicians who? Uh, no, sorry, I, I have not heard of. Oh, you have any. not. Okay. Yeah. So do you think that it should be one of the top priorities in terms of legislation? Because nowadays, I think um, people are fighting for the legalization of medical marijuana. That's one. Uh, then, of course, we still have the SOGI bill, which still hasn't been passed, right? I mean, it's, uh, and I'm not sure if it's in Senate or in Congress, but it's still a bill. It's not yet a law. Uh, so, do you think that legalization or decriminalization of sex work should be in one of the top priorities for the next president or for future senators or whatever? Um, you know, as someone coming, uh, as someone who, coming from the community i would say yes it should be it should be a uh, top priority however i am not sure if we are on the same wavelength with these people or, or we are on the same wavelength with key actors because we as what i said earlier we never really had a formal discussion about sex work in the philippines the government did not sponsor or you know initiate for these kinds of activities where we can really hear um the voices of the people from the community so it's really hard i would want it i personally would want it to be prioritized because for the longest time as they say it's the oldest profession in the world and maybe that's true because you know as a kid growing up you will already hear that you know um, even among your classmates that are also kids they will say oh bricat oh you're or something like that so so these terms existed already and part of our history part of our culture but again because of the the kind of society we have including the available legislations that we have in the philippines for the sex workers it isn't really supportive so again in effect they don't like to come out as sex workers and would rather stay invisible you know of course um that's very much the, I'm talking about the freelancers, but you know there are also ones that are um, working in bars, you know, um, 
men and women sex worker cis men and cis women um they're also the ones that you can find on the streets so there are online sex workers there are discreet but open to advertising themselves as sex workers using the online platform so there are so many out there um but you know no one is really talking about their issues because this country never hosted or never um sponsored for formal discussions so with that uh so we're looking at the philippines as a whole and you, like what you like what you mentioned a while ago the, the hypocrisy behind it right we're in we're we're so proud that we're the only uh the philippines and the vatican are the only countries in the world without a divorce bill uh you know we claim to be so religious and all of these things but deep down it's kind of rotten in the sense that you know so many people want to have a lot of um fun that is usually frowned upon so why do you think there's so much hypocrisy in the philippines in that aspect um i would say that the root cause is religion yeah i would say that that's the root cause of all the discrimination being faced by sex workers we are actually taught by a scripture um that sex work is not a moral kind of work so i think that uh that certain you know line in 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 the bible maybe brainwashed many filipinos um maybe filipinos are convinced that it is really immoral uh, because many filipinos are claiming that you know they're religious and conservative so yeah I think that's the religion. Okay, so going back, so let's say that there is going to be a law in all of these things, right? Um, what would be the perfect law for you? For I mean, a perfect law that would decriminalize sex work, like because of course you have to go deep down, right? You can't just simply say, "Oh, it's decriminalized and that's it." Of course, you know, any, any job, you have to get taxes. How do you use those taxes? How do you give? healthcare to sex workers and all these things so like what is like the perfect scenario for you if they do decriminalize it and they you know make a bill and all these things the ideal one for me is the kind of law where it will promote um healthy well-being of sex workers like you know you can just have easy access to healthcare services without experiencing stigma and discrimination once they found out that you are a sex worker. The kind of, the ideal law for me is um, a law that promotes sex worker to have easy access with education. Many, I know, I personally know many um, sex workers working from clubs, like, you know, the go-go bars here in the Philippines where they want to go to school to finish their education, but they're afraid that you know what that that it will be it will be discovered by by the students in the schools so they just prefer to you know just continue as they are um yes just just a a law that will enable um open mindedness of filipinos towards the sex work people or the sex work community so going back 
so going to there, you know, I get that, and I think that's great. So the next thing I want to ask you is, so, you know, of course, when you're a sex worker, right, when you're active and all these things, so, of course, you should be posting on, you know, on different websites uh, and such about you being a sex worker. But when you decide, when someone decides to retire, right, uh, when they decide to retire from being a sex worker, how difficult is it? Because, you know, the thing is, you you post, like, say, your name, uh, your your photo or something like that on the internet. It technically is there forever, right? Yes. So don't you think that, I mean, it is quite difficult because for the rest of your life, unfortunately, it would be on the internet. Yes. So that is something that I guess... Sorry, I think I'm, I'm, I'm actually asked answering my own question. Sorry about that. But it's like, before someone becomes a sex worker, they should really think about it really hard, right? I mean, it isn't something that you should just decide overnight. It's, it should be something that you think about for a long time. What do you think about that? Sure. I oh. mean, there are those who will have a change of heart. We, we'll never know what's going to happen in the future. Maybe you don't want to become a sex worker anymore. Um, and yeah, I agree with you. They, sabi nga nila, you know, um, once it's on, once once it's there online, it's there forever. Um, I don't know. I really haven't have a deep thinking about that. Um, I can just imagine that it's also difficult once you realize that you no longer want to do sex work and you don't want to be known as a sex worker or someone who used to work as a sex worker so that that's difficult i don't have um any more words to say but difficult and challenging for sex workers yeah so actually roger has another um question so he says hey guys what are the safety measures being done by sex workers for both them and their clients so I guess it's more of, yeah, what are your safety measures, at the, you know, when you used to be a sex worker? What were the measures you used to do for your own safety and their own safety and, you know, in general? Um, for, for for sexual health, I always uh, bring with me condom lubricant. So um, I, I did that. And then I used to be a PrEP user for 10 months. So PrEP is post uh, I mean, pre-exposure prophylaxis, meaning you will just take it orally every day and you won't be, you know, you would be infected with HIV. So even even if you won't use condoms at all. So there's this, what what, 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 what do you call PrEP? And even PEP, post-exposure prophylaxis, where um, if you think that you got exposed with HIV, as long as you will take PEP within three days, from your exposure then you're safe you won't have hiv um you you won't have hiv um so that for my sexual health but when it comes to like physical violence or abuse that is something that's just so unpredictable because you'll never know sometimes uh but but it helps that you talk so much with your client like in my case uh, since i'm I, I used to advertise myself online and i get their um other you know, other platforms or medium for communication, such as Viber or WhatsApp, I I make sure that I'm gonna see the the person um, using camera, using their camera. So uh, there's a video chat, and from there you you talk um, about 
your expectations with each other what what are what 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 are the clients expecting from you as a worker you know that actually can help you feel safe somehow you know it, it would give you um like a feeling of i already know um the client or you know even it's just a bit information from them or about them um, it can really help it can really help you um especially your men mental um state of mind that you feel safe you know you know the feeling when you talk to a stranger online over the phone or through video chats and that person seems to be very friendly and kind the way they would talk you know so that can help but i don't know it's just it's just um difficult once you're in the moment because i experienced myself that you know i thought i thought everything's okay but after after sex you know the 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 client did not did not pay what was agreed so you can have that kind of you can have that kind of um, negative experience um, in sex work so you know you want to it makes you upset makes you so angry but you know sometimes i, I know that there are some that experience like physical violence like in a worst possible way i did not experience that fortunately um, but i experienced again as what i've said um where the client did not pay what was agreed so first thing i didn't even know that we had prep and pem here in the philippines is that readily available yes could someone just go to america and say hey um, um no it's not in um in the pharmacies um and ncr loves yourself is offering that Oh, just love yourself. And do they give it for free or do you have to pay for it? Um, there are free ones. And there are also, you have the branded ones. Um, one, five per, uh, one five per bottle is good for one month. Like 30 tablets are in that bottle. Okay, so I'm curious though. And I'm, I'm sorry, this may sound like a silly question because you mentioned that there are free ones and there are ones that you pay for, right? So like what's the difference between the two minus the one being free and the other one you have to pay like is there a big difference or is it more like a branding kind of thing like yeah i'm not really sure about the full details but i know that the branded ones um would most likely make you feel better in terms of side effects oh so um, there are side effects to it when you, when you yeah, take but those. very, in my case, I, I just had nausea, a mild headache, you know, and then, so that's why they advise for you to take it at night before bedtime so that you can- Hurry to sleep just, at all. Yeah. Yeah. So that was it, but it only lasted for a few days. After that, everything is normal. So it's like normal vitamins. Maybe I would say, yeah, maybe I'd say first two to three days, but it's not really- um something serious it's just like a mild headache and dizziness so um so that's the only difference between the paid and the free the free the side effects aren't that great while the paid uh less side effects right that, that, like that's the only difference based on um I'm, I'm not really so sure about this but maybe um the free ones are also subsidized or some programs um paid it for 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 the users all right, I think that, that that's a fair one. All right, so I'm just wondering, um, and I hope you're okay with answering this question, Edda. 
But have you ever, like when you used to be a sex worker, right? When you used to do it, did you ever, were you, was there ever a time wherein you had feelings for your client or were you able to separate it? Where it's like, you know what, work is work. When I'm at home, you know, like two separate worlds. Or was there a time wherein there's this one person that you just fell for? Yeah, that's that, that's very common in the sex work um, world that you will develop feelings for your clients. Oh, but so you there, have. Yeah, I have experienced that a lot of times actually. But um, I, my my I also I used to have uh, my ex um, who's a foreigner. Uh, it started with 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 you know the sex work. I, I had him as a client, and then it progressed or it developed it became a relationship. So, so I'm just wondering. Um, the thing is, there's always the stigma, right, in society where in sex workers, women usually end up with foreign men because only foreign men don't really care about what they used to do and all these things. Do you think that is true? Do you think that's a an accurate stigma or do you think that's it's it's what it is a stigma that it's you know fake it's um it's yeah yeah i don't have full context to that but i would say that it is common that foreigners are very open-minded that they don't care about your past i mean not only in sex work it's also common for foreigners to marry filipino women that already have (laughs) kids for example um sorry that that's my um yeah so it's 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 common that um foreigners are much more open-minded to filipinos so yeah okay so with that you know we're nearing the end of the episode so guys if you have any more questions that you want to make happen for edda here's your chance before you know we're slowly going to the end of the episode so Edda, uh, first things first, what do you think are the top three misconceptions people have towards sex workers? I would say the top one is that it is immoral. It is not. And it, it regardless if you know you're religious or not, I mean you should not be asking people to 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 worship your God, to follow your religion. You can ask people to conform. Uh, to confirm with uh, to, con- to conform with um, your beliefs, um, I think that's not fair and right. In our constitution, we have religion, uh, freedom of religion here in the Philippines, and that also entails that we have the right to not have religion at all. Um, in my case, I'm actually an atheist, so I should not. It's not fair for me to to believe to believe in other people's beliefs. You know, um, it's not fair. It, it's it's actually um, a violation of what I should be as as a human, as a person, because I should not be believing other people's. Um, and then number two misconception is that it's dirty. Um, I don't think that it is. Humans actually do sex for pleasure, whether there is money involved or not. There are so many Filipinos that are sexually active. So... That the only difference there is that there's money, but if you take away the money, it's just like 
you know, two adults um, agreed to have sex with each other. And number three, that it should be criminalized. That is a misconception because for me, it should be decriminalized, you know. And it's weird that the government must know the details of your sex life. I mean, it's just weird that they will criminalize you because you um, accepted money out of having sex with someone. They should not know details of your sex life. They should not know, the government must not know who you prefer to have sex with, to go out with, or to sleep with. I think that's none of their business. So um, it's, it's, it's just so weird that, um, you know, because in order for you to, to be criminalized as a sex worker, they must prove that you accepted the money. I know that they do raids in go-go bars sometimes, and they have this, um, like, mark money that once the sex worker, um, um, what you call that? Accepted. accepted. Yeah, yeah, the money their hand and they will arrest you um you know that that, that that kind of entrapment um and it's unfair because that should be you have the right to to be open about your sex life you also have the right to be so secretive about your sex life um and again it's just it's strange that the government must know details of how you do your sex life so what are top three misconceptions that people have about transgender women? Um, that transgender women are not women um, because transgender are women. Yes, um, we are not female assigned at birth. Sex and gender are two different things. So people must know that um, because that's the biggest misconception of many Filipinos and many people around the world that sex and gender is two words but same exact meaning. I think that's the confusion. That's where the confusion comes from. That's the root cause of the confusion. Um, number two, the transgender women are sexually active. We are just like non-trans people. There are people that are sexually active and there are not. So... You can't say that, you know, just because um, the person is transgender woman identifying, then um, they're qualified to be sex workers because not all transgender women are sexually active. And number three, the transgender women are just making noise out of nothing. That what we are fighting for is useless. I think that's the biggest misconception. We are actually very noisy about our rights as humans because we have been experiencing oh discrimination, God. abuse, violence, oppression for the longest, longest time. I mean, you know, um, since time immemorial, um, it is written in history books. Um, it is also documented in many countries that transgender women even experience trans killings. We just had like three last year here in the Philippines. Um, so it's that that's actually also a misconception that people must, uh, I think people must be receptive in accepting the developments and how modern the world is now. That's it. 
great well you know it's been awesome having us a guest edda you've been very awesome and cool so you know before we let you go i would love for you to do your plugins let's say i have a spotify user tomorrow who you know listen to this episode and they want to make you lend or something where could they reach you like you have an instagram facebook so yeah go ahead um that's also another one issue actually i used to uh, advertise a lot in this call in this um as a sex worker i used to use craigslist before but they actually removed the sex workers category there so okay. but you can actually add me on facebook my facebook is maria edda katabas I am fine with you know flirting with with boys. Why not? I'm single, um, and yeah, and especially if you are an ally. Again, as what I have um, mentioned earlier, I'm actually working on a project that um, that is related to sex work is work movement here in the Philippines. I am actually the the lead or the 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 main um, implementer of the project here in the Philippines. So I'm really reaching out to different stakeholders like doctors, like lawyers, um, on how we will be able to better the lives of, of um, transgender women sex workers when it comes to access to differentiated healthcare services such as sexual health, mental health, even general or physical health. And then how we could you know, learn to decriminalize this work. Great. Well, thank you so much, Maria Eda. It was so awesome having you here. Uh, sorry, I just laughed when you said that I don't mind flirting with boys because I'm single. Sorry, I didn't <laughs> mean that as yeah. a joke, but you know, um, it is what it is. So thank you again, Maria Eda. Iglap will be back next week. Um, on Monday, we may have a special guest. I don't want to drop anything yet. Uh, nothing is final. But on Thursday, we will have Kim Castro as well. So next week will be a rare double episode in one week. So thank you again, everyone. Marie, uh, Edda, thank you so much. Uh, everyone who watched, thank you again. Stay safe. Bye, everyone. Good night.